0: As AI continues to make devices, machines, vehicles, and things more intelligent, Qualcomm is pushing AI processing to the edge, specifically onto the device. With more than a decade of advanced AI research, they're making it possible for AI and machine learning to move from the data center and the cloud to the device. For enhanced privacy and security, increased reliability, more immediate response, and faster speeds. From AI to 5G, it all starts with Qualcomm.
1: This is Voices in AI brought to you by GigaOM, and I'm Byron Reese. Today, my guest is Samir Maski. He is the founder and CEO at Fuse Machines, and he's an adjunct assistant professor at Columbia. He holds an undergraduate degree in math and physics from Bates College and a PhD in computer science from Columbia University as well. Welcome to the show, Samir. Thank you, Byron. Glad to be here. So can you recall the first time you ever heard the term artificial intelligence, or has it always just been kind of a fixture of your life?
2: Uh, it's always been a fixture of my life, but the first time I heard about it uh, in the way it is understood in today's world of what AI is was uh, in my first year undergrad, when I was thinking of building talking machines. That was my dream, <laughs> building a machine that can sort of converse with you. Um, and when doing that research, uh, I happened to run into several books in AI, and particularly a book uh, called Voice Synthesis, a Speed Synthesis. And that's how uh, my uh, journey in AI came into fruition.
1: So, a conversational AI. And it sounds like something that, um, I mean, I assume early on you heard about the Turing test and thought, I wonder how you would build a device that could pass that. Is that fair to say?
2: Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I would heard about Turing tests, but my interest uh, stemmed from being so. Be, my interest from being able to build a machine um, that could just that could just talk, read a book, and then talk uh, with you about it. Uh, and ah. I was particularly interested on being able to build a machine in Nepali. Uh, so I grew up in Nepal, and I was always interested in building machines that can talk Nepali. Um, so more than the Turing test, it was just this notion of, can we build a machine that can talk in Nepali and converse with you?
1: And would that require a general intelligence or, or not anywhere near a general intelligence or to be able to like read a book and then have a conversation with you about the great Gatsby or whatever, would that require general intelligence? Being able to build a
2: machine that can read a book and just talk about it uh, would require I guess what is being termed as artificial general intelligence uh, that begs many different other kinds of questions of what is AGI is and what how it's different than AI and what for it. Uh, but we are still <coughs> quite far away from being able to build a machine that can just read a novel or, or a history book and then just be able to sit down with you and discuss it. Uh, I think we're quite far away from it. Uh, even though there's a lot of research being being done from a uh, conversational AI perspective.
1: Yeah, I mean, the minute a computer can learn something, you can just point it at the internet and say, go learn everything, right? Exactly. <clears throat> uh,
2: and we're not there at all.
1: Um, Pedro Domingo wrote a book called The Master Algorithm, where he said he believes there is like, some uber algorithm yet that we haven't discovered which accounts for intelligence and all of its variants and part of the reason he believes that is you know we have we're we're made with shockingly little code dna is and the amount of that code which is different than a chimp say may only be six or seven meg and that tiny bit of code It doesn't have intelligence, obviously, but it knows how to build intelligence. So is it possible that that, like, do you think that that level of artificial intelligence, whether you want to call it AGI or not, but that level of AI, do you think that might be a really simple thing that we just haven't, that's like right in front of us and we can't see it? Or do you think it's going to be a long, hard slog to finally get there? It'll be a piece at a time. (laughs)
2: To, I mean, to answer that question, uh, and to to sort of be able to say maybe there is this master algorithm that's just not discovered. um, Making, I think it's hard to make any claim towards it uh, because we, as a human, I think even neurologically and neuroscientists and so forth, don't even fully understand how all the pieces of the cognition work, right? Like how my four and a half year old kid is just be able to uh, learn from a couple of different words and put together and start having conversations about it. Uh, <clears throat> so I think it's because I think we don't even understand how, uh, human brains work. Uh, I get a little nervous when, uh, you know, people claim or suggest there's this one master algorithm that's just yet to be discovered.
1: Why do you think it is that – so we had this one trick that kind of is working now where we take a bunch of data about the past, and we study it with computers, and we look for patterns, and we use those patterns to predict the future. And that's kind of what we do. I mean, that's machine learning in a nutshell. Yeah, that's machine learning in a nutshell. And why – and it is hard for me to see how that is – it's, it's hard for me, for instance, to, to see how will that ever write uh, The Great Gatsby, let alone read it and understand it. But how could it ever be creative? And, because it's, But maybe it can be. Why do you think, you know, kind of through one lens, we're not that far with AI. And why do you think it's turning out to be so hard? I guess that's my question. Why is AI so hard? We're intelligent, and we can kind of reflect on our own intelligence. And we kind of figure out how we learn things. But we don't seem to, we have kind of this brute force way of just cramming a bunch of data down the machine's throat and, you know, and then it can spot spam email or route you through traffic and and nothing else. So why is AI turning out to be so hard?
2: Um, Because I think the machinery that's been built over many, many years on how AI has uh, evolved and is to a point right now and like you pointed out, it is still a lot of systems looking at uh, a lot of historical data, building uh, models that figure out patterns on it and doing predictions on it. And it requires a lot of data. And one of the reasons deep learning is working very well uh, is there's so much data right now on pretty much any problem. We uh, haven't figured out how with very little bit of data, you can create general, generalization on the patterns. To be able to do things, and that that piece on how to model or build a machine that can generalize um, uh, generalize this making process based on uh, just few pieces of information, uh, we say we haven't figured that out. And until we figure that out, uh, it is still going to be very hard to make uh, AGI or, or a system that can just write great Gatsby. Um, and I don't know how long will it be, be until we figure that part out.
1: Is it possible that, you know, a, a lot of times people think that a general intelligence is just an evolutionary product from narrow. We get narrow, then we get, you know, first it can play Go, and then it can play all games, all strategy games. And that then it can do this, and, and it, it gets better and better, and then one day it's general. Is it possible? that what we know how to do now has absolutely nothing to do with general intelligence. Like we haven't even started working on that problem. It's a completely different problem. What we've tried to, all we're able to do is kind of make things that can fake intelligence, but we don't know how to make anything that's really intelligent. Or do you think we are on a path that's going to just get better and better and better until one day we have something that can make coffee and play go and compose sonnets?
2: Um, the The path right now, even though there's, a, there's some new research uh, being done on AGI, the, the path right now, which is where we throw in more and more data on bigger and bigger architecture uh, and sort of simulate our fake intelligence, uh, I don't think that would probably lead uh, into machines that can have general uh, the way we are talking about. Uh, it is still a very similar model that we've been using before. So, you know, uh, neural nets been invented a long time ago. Uh, they're, they're much more popular right now because, you know, they, are, they can do more with more data, with more compute power and so forth. So when it's able to uh, drive a car based on uh, computer vision and neural nets and deep learning behind it, it simulates, uh, uh, you know, intelligence, but uh, it's not really probably the way we uh, describe human intelligence. such so that it can write uh, books and write poetry. Uh, so, uh, are we on the path to AGI? Uh, we. I don't think the, the, this, just the current evolution of the way the machine learning is done is probably going to lead into AGI. Uh, there's probably some fundamental new ways of exploring the things that is required and how the problem is framed to sort of thinking about how general intelligence works.
1: Well, I just want to ask you one more question about AGI and then I, w- I won't bring it up anymore. But is it, is, can you construct an argument, whether or not you believe it, but can you construct an argument that AGI is impossible, it cannot be done with computers um, without necessarily appealing to the soul or something uh, supernatural, which, you know, a lot of people would say we can't build it because people aren't machines. But without that, is there, is there an argument that it may not be possible?
2: is there an argument that it may not be possible um that's a hard that's a hard question to answer um at the i mean if you look at from the very very fundamental uh, perspective of how the brains work uh you know there's you know this the signals turn on and turn off that's passing from neurons to neurons as well so if you were to think from the perspective of literally how the signals get turned on and turned off and gets passed into uh other bunch of neurons and signals gets passed, uh you could potentially see think that maybe we could build a machine uh, that simulate human brains. Um, so from that perspective, I have to answer saying, you know, maybe there is a way to uh build a general intelligence system uh, using math. Um,
1: well, I guess there are those who might argue that the function of a neuron isn't understood and that it could be as complicated as a supercomputer. That There's something called the Open Worm Project where these people have spent 20 years trying to model 302 neurons of this worm in, in, in a computer, just 302 neurons, and yeah. get something that behaves like that worm. And yep. they don't even know if that's possible to do. So it, it raises the question, well, it raises the question of, well, what about humans? If we don't even know how a few neurons interact to, to produce intelligence, how can 100 billion of them, how would we ever do that? Like, is there not enough, and you know the power requirements of the big computers we have, yes. uh, 20, 30 million watts versus your 20 watt brain. Yeah. Um so I don't know if we're going to brute force our way there. There may not be enough power that we have, to, we have to cleverly get there.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's what I was saying. Basically, there's some similarities on very fundamental unit of things that gets together to build uh, intelligence. Uh, but from the perspective of how machine learning has evolved, can that lead into general intelligence? Uh, I don't think so or not at least the way that it's being done. Uh, of, you, know, just- you
1: know, the fascinating thing is that my guests on this show are divided almost 50-50 on that question and I find that really interesting. <laughs> um, I mean, it, I, I don't say it in any snarky way. I mean, we're in a brand new science. It's yeah. expected that we don't know how things, I mean, we're, we're like living in the age of Newton or, you know, oh my gosh, look what we can do and we still don't even know kind of, the guideposts and the boundary markers. Uh, so it's not surprising, but I think it's really interesting that there seems to be a group of people who believe that the techniques we already know will get us there. And then people who, who say, no, it's, it's gonna be something that we haven't quite figured out.
2: Um, yeah, I guess I fall in the camp of where we, we haven't really figured out how to build uh, generally intelligent machines as you.
1: So, you are the founder and CEO of Fuse Machines. Tell us, what is Fuse Machines and why did you found it?
2: Uh, <clears throat> so, I started Fuse Machines a couple of years ago with the notion that uh, talent is everywhere, but uh, opportunities are not. Uh, basically, having taught at Columbia University for several years, uh, I saw that a lot of uh, engineers in developing countries and underserved communities in the U.S. as well. Uh, if they get the uh, right kind of uh, uh, tools, right kind of content, uh, right kind of uh, professors to learn machine learning, then they they can be equally good. Uh, so we, start, we had this notion of well, can we democratize AI uh, and can we do it by uh, educating uh, talented engineers uh, around the world uh, and in the U.S. Uh, from the underserved communities. And that's what we started to do. And that's what Fuse Machines is about. Uh, uh, we <coughs> find uh, talented engineers and then train them in machine learning. And-, and,
1: and kind of where are you in that mission? What are some uh, metrics that, of what you've done or, 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 or the rest?
2: Uh, Sure. So basically, we run this as what we call Fuse Machines AI Fellowship Program. And we started out, our first location was in Nepal. Um, And uh, after Nepal, we ran it in Dominican Republic, then New York, uh, then Rwanda, Burkina Faso, and we're adding several cities to it. Uh, So uh, at this point, there are hundreds and hundreds of uh, engineers who are being trained through our platform on machine learning. Every time we open a cohort, uh, we get thousands and thousands of applications and we select a a cohort of anywhere between 25 to 100 engineers at a time. Um, Yeah.
1: What about the the part of the cohort that doesn't get stolen is uh, chosen. Is there a kind of a self-guided or is it strictly um, this kind of mentoring model that, that you do? Uh,
2: it is strictly a mentoring model. It's, a, it's basically a mix of online and on-site uh, training. Um, so we were using uh, Colima MicroMasters EDX program on AI as one of the pieces of content, uh, as one of the programs. We're also using our own online program uh, through Fuse.ai platform. But one of the problems with all the online platforms, especially all the MOOCs, is the completion rate is really low. Everybody signs up and then, you know, after four weeks, uh, they sort of forget about it. Um, So what we did was we uh, we created a model where there's onsite component to the online component where the students come to an office or to a classroom once or twice a week, uh, they do assignments together. They do projects together, and they also get taught a little bit. Um, so that's the that's the difference. But uh, the the slight modification in the model has created uh, amazing results on the completion rates. So we, at this point, uh, we've stuck to the model, which is uh, you know they come in and uh, they learn online and they also learn on site. So the, all the the engineers who don't get into the program they get to reapply again uh, but we because of the onsite component we cannot take like everybody
1: uh, i have this theory that if ai if we just stop developing making any advances in ai we have like 10 years of work to do like ai is used in, in so few places and there's all this data and we only apply it you know, in these few instances, you know the story of the Google engineer that made the cucumber sorting machine. I, I suppose you've heard. I think he used Kubernetes and a and a and a Linux box and an Arduino and 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 got it to sort cucumbers based on on these four factors. And so you think if there's a cucumber use case, there's millions <laughs> and millions of use cases. Um, and so. I kind of think about that, that we actually need a whole lot more talent. And then I think we're doing, more and more people are studying AI than ever. And you have, um, you know, Andrew Ng's course, you have ways to take Coursera online that you can learn some of this. So do you think we're training enough people or enough people entering AI that we're going to be able to apply it in all these areas that it needs to be applied in? Or is there going to always be kind of, more things to do with it than we have people to do it?
2: I think at least for several years uh, forward, uh, there's not going to be enough people to apply AI on the things that everybody would like to apply AI on. Um, One caveat I would like to uh, point out is a lot of engineers who learn AI, uh, who learn how to use uh, tools like scikit-learn or Keras or TensorFlow and whatnot, a lot of them are taking, you know, short, like few, looking at a few videos online and then doing some tutorials and, and they can actually build simple applications to, you know, sort cucumber or uh, some, something else. Uh, but the one thing that I see among a lot of those engineers is a lot of them actually fundamentally don't understand how the algorithms work. Now, one may argue that, you know, they don't need to understand how the algorithms work if they can actually apply it. But I believe to rebuild a really, really, really good system, um, you need to understand how the algorithms work and in order to understand how algorithms work, pretty much all machine learning algorithms right now is machine learning, which is all math, uh, which is math, you know, linear algebra, probability, and statistics. Um, So at least from of the engineers who actually understand all the way down to the fundamentals of math, uh, of building AI uh, for next quite a a few years, will not have enough people to build systems uh, on every use case on AI that could be applied up.
1: Anybody who reads my writing, I'm an optimistic guy about technology and about the future. I think we're gonna use technology to solve a lot of seemingly intractable problems of humanity. I think we're going to feed the hungry and uh, eliminate poverty and eliminate disease and um, lengthen lives. So Nobody's ever called me a pessimist. But do you worry about the misuses of the technology with regards to privacy? Because it used to be we could all, we all had privacy mainly because there were so many people. You just couldn't listen to every phone call. You couldn't watch every person. But with AI, you can. With AI, you can. You you can voice the text every conversation. You can do facial recognition and map everybody. You can look for patterns. And that the very same tools we build to look for, to identify tumors, can identify disloyal citizens or, or something like that. You don't actually have to go into science fiction to find examples of this, as you, as you know. What are your thoughts on that? Uh,
2: it's, it's a real issue, and it's one of the scary sides of AI. Um, Uh, which is uh, being able to use AI uh, to, you know, pretty much track people everywhere they go, um, track every online uh, event that gets triggered by whatever application they use, and potentially could be used for surveillance and so forth. So uh, that's something I do worry about on how AI could be misused. Uh, I less I I worry less so on you know having terminators walking the streets of New York City anytime right away. But the, even the current version of uh, face recognition systems could be applied to mass do mass surveillance or actually put uh, you no know, build these small weapons on top of drones with face recognition, as shown in one of the videos. Uh, I think it's called killer robots, uh, which was just video created to show what is possible and how it could be misused. It's not a video, but that's a scary side of um, uh, AI that I do worry about quite a bit.
1: And then on the other side, what are some, um, what do you hope the technology does for the, for the planet? Like what's the, what's the optimistic, you know, you, you got those two guys sitting on your shoulder, and one of them's like, oh, you know, what's the other one saying right now?
2: <laughs> so, um, the, the optimal uh, is saying, you know, the same computer vision technology, if, the, if it's not used to, you know, do mass surveillance, for example. Uh, but the same technology could be used on uh, many applications like delivery of medicine. Uh, Using drones. In fact, as fuse machines, that's something we built uh, last year uh, because in Nepal there's not a lot of roads and being able to deliver medicine high in hills is uh, quite hard and important. Uh, So we built a drone with face recognition system uh, that would, you know, uh, go in front of a house to drop medicine. So there's all these applications of uh, machine learning AI systems that could improve humanity and solve a lot of humanity problems uh, and you know not just medicine it could be applied in agriculture as well uh, where it could help produce find all the the, the the big pieces of land where the plants may be dying and then quickly do things to resolve that uh, so the so the opposite side uh, says you know there's a lot of good use cases of AI and there are a lot of still hard problems that AI could help solve, that could improve lives of a lot of people in the world today.
1: All righty. Well, let's leave it there. We're at the bottom of the hour. Um, how can people keep up with what you do? How can they follow you? And and how can they get involved with uh, your company? Uh, they can
2: find um, information on our website, www.fusemachines.com. Uh, if they want more info or updates from us, they could also subscribe to our Twitter handle, Fuse Machines. Uh, the, my Twitter handle is at Samir Maskey. Um, and if they want to email us, it's info at FuseMachines.com.
1: All Samir, fascinating stuff. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you.
0: As AI continues to make devices, machines, vehicles, and things more intelligent, Qualcomm is pushing AI processing to the edge, specifically onto the device. With more than a decade of advanced AI research, they're making it possible for AI and machine learning to move from the data center and the cloud to the device. For enhanced privacy and security, increased reliability, more immediate response, and faster speeds. From AI to 5G, it all starts with Qualcomm.